In this episode, we had Humphrey Yang on the podcast, and he has an amazing story. He talks about his journey as a financial advisor to working at a video game company that did over a billion dollars a year in revenue. Pretty crazy stuff. It made me want to start my own video game. But on top of that, Humphrey has got almost 2 million TikTok followers and a YouTube channel that's got over 100,000 followers as well. We talk about all things personal finance. We talk about how he grew that following. And he even gave me some really good tips at the end. So you want to stay for that. Now, let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to The Ryan Pineda Show. Where our mission is to invest. I only expect to make money in things that I understand. Innovate. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And inspire. I am much more likely to hit my goal just due to putting it out there. Now rocking with the best. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I have a very special guest, and I know I say that every time, but I'm really excited for this interview because I want to pick his brain. You know, a lot of people pick my brain about social media, but this guy has accumulated over 2 million followers on TikTok, and he's grown his YouTube even faster than me. And uh, I'm really excited to pick his brain. He's a finance YouTuber, TikToker. His name is Humphrey Yang. And uh, dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. What's up, brother? Nice to meet you. Good to see you. Those weird, like, left hand shakes. It's all good. I mean, it's all good. Yeah. So, dude, there's not many of us on TikTok, you know, in the finance space that are, you know, really moving up. And then there's not many that are also doing YouTube. So, right. um, we kind of have like these parallel paths that I'm seeing. So, for sure. I want to yeah. know how, how you ended up in the game. You know, where, where did it all start? Yeah, so we were talking a little bit prior to the filming of this, but uh, I started in the summer of 2019. I uploaded three YouTube videos, and I had always wanted to, to, uh, to do YouTube. I was watching a lot of MKBHD growing up, uh, especially in 2014, 2015, but I didn't really try it until the summer of 2019, and I got like three videos up. 10 views each, you know, really demoralized. <laughs> and then uh, in the fall, I was watching a lot of TikTok. And, you know, at the time, nobody was really watching TikTok besides if you were, like, under the age of 18. Right. So so you were the old creepy guy on TikTok. <laughs> I was the old creepy guy on TikTok. <laughs> but uh, actually, that's kind of weird. But no. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But, um, yeah, I just noticed nobody was doing personal finance on TikTok. There was, like, one stock account, Main Street Wolf. Shout out Main Street Wolf. But... There was no one doing personal finance, and I figured, okay, if I can be the first mover on personal finance, that could be pretty good. So at the end of 2019, I just started uploading one video a day, and my goal was 30 straight days of TikToks. And by the end of 30 days, I think, it was January 20th, 2020, and I had 140,000 followers on TikTok, and I said, okay, I got to keep this going. This is the thing. Yeah. yeah. This <laughs> I was is like, a this- lot easier than YouTube. A lot easier than YouTube. And not only that, my YouTube was growing just because of how many followers I was getting on TikTok. I think I at the end of January 2020, I had like 5,000 followers on YouTube. And I didn't even have a video up. You know, I I had the three videos from before, but I didn't put post any new content. So I thought, okay, if I can keep growing the TikTok, then the YouTube will grow in parallel. Right, right. Yeah. So you start posting these TikToks, you mm-hmm. know, January of 2020, you're starting to get traction. Um I got into it about April of 2020, so a couple months after you. And I remember I started seeing yours when I got on it. Like they started feeding you or feeding me your stuff. And I think, you know, you had a few hundred thousand followers at that point. And um, I was like, man, like this guy, I like his style. Like you're doing this back and forth deal. And, um, you know, it, it became a very popular style, which. I don't know if you're you're the one who was the first guy to start doing it, but yeah, I don't think I was the first guy. There's a guy on TikTok named Admani Explains, and he's still on there. He's, he's I've from, seen him. Yeah, he's yeah. from Houston. Uh, he was doing them in a little bit longer fashion, so yeah. sixty second skits. Yeah, I would call them skits. Yep. And uh, you know his were pretty inappropriate, so he'd you know drop some <laughs> f bombs, you know, all the time talking about different different things that were happening in you know the tech space like Facebook buying something or Facebook messing something up. But, uh, and then I noticed there was a couple other kids on TikTok. I would say like 18, 19 year olds doing some like basic mortgage skits. Like what is a mortgage? Yeah. And they were doing really well. So I was like, okay, why don't I try that too? And I asked on Monty, Hey, is it cool if I use this skit style? Cause at the time only he was doing it and maybe like a couple random accounts. Right. So I just started doing that. Yeah. And the first one I did took off. I think it got like 6 million views. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing yeah, this. this is all so. <laughs> yeah, and that's the majority of your content now is doing these yeah. skits, which are cool. So 
yeah, that's how I saw you and I, I've seen him before too. And, um, you know, I love watching both your guys' content. Appreciate so, it. Yeah. you know, you, you continue making these skits, they're getting, you know, tons of views. Um, and you know, you start getting a lot of traction. When did you get a million? I hit a million, I think the first week of September of 2020. September. Okay. So about, you know, less than a year. Yeah. Seven months ago. Oh, uh, less than a year of making TikTok yep. videos. Yeah. yeah. Nine months of making TikTok videos. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, uh, where are you at now? I think I'm at 1.9 right now, but that's okay. only because in the last two days I had one mega viral hit and that that's gotten me like a hundred thousand followers. So, <laughs> so yeah. it kind of comes in waves. Yeah. But on average, I'd probably gain like two to 3000 a day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So you do that. And I remember we start DMing and I'm like, man, this guy, like, I like what you're doing, whatever. And, um, we had a call about YouTube as well. Um, and at the time yeah. you might've had like 30 or 40,000 subscribers at that point, you know, you had your over a million on TikTok, and we just had a conversation. You're like, man, tell me about how you're doing YouTube. How'd you grow it? And, you know, I told you like, I'm, I'm really just trying to optimize the process. And, I, I just randomly looked at your account the other day. I'm like, this guy, he got over a hundred thousand. Like he, how did you do it? Yeah. I mean, after our call, so I think that was in July of 2020, uh, you know, and I took a lot from you and thank you so much for your inspiration. You're so disciplined and you're putting out so much content and you have a whole system to it. And I think that if anything, if anyone can learn anything from Ryan, it's that he systematize he systematizes a lot of parts of his life. And I think it really works out for him because not only does he learn from his system, he gets better. And so I think if you're ever trying to pursue anything in life, create a system for yourself. If you can stick to those systems uh, and learn from your, learn from, you know, feedback, whatever that may be, you can be pretty successful that way. So um, after our talk, I, I decided to do three videos a week. So I was doing three videos a week from after our talk until December of 2020. And I saw a lot of traction that way. I was yeah. learning from my mistakes I mean, Graham had told me, I had talked to Graham in April of 2020. He also kind of said the same thing. You got to be at least posting two to three times a week. Right. So after Graham's conversation, I was posting two a week. And then I think we talked and I did three a week. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of grew from there. And then around the GameStop era, which was January of 20 this year, I was on a live stream with another YouTube buddy of mine, Brian Jung. I don't know if you've seen his videos. I don't know. He used to do a lot of uh, like credit card videos, and now he's in more into cryptocurrency videos. But he also was covering the whole AMC GameStop yeah. drama. And just by hopping some on some of those live streams, I actually gained like 10,000 subs. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. So, so you were hopping on his. I was hopping on his, and he was getting like 20,000 concurrent viewers at the time just talking about GameStop. It was just <laughs> one week of yeah. GameStop, nonstop GameStop drama. But, I mean, it was well worth it because just even hopping on – his live stream got me 10,000 subs and those subs actually ended up watching more of my content, which I think helped the algorithm even more. And then, you know, I'm just getting more viewers, more subs, everything, every like kind of just yeah. built on itself. Yeah. No, that's one thing I know that I've lacked for sure is covering trends. Um, most of my content I put out is just like me kind of winging it. I hate to say that, but mm. it's just like, ah, eh, this is my, this is just something I do like, you know, whatever. Um, if it involves any type of me researching something, I'm like, <laughs> nah, I'm good, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then, you know, just that other stuff, like, you know, stocks are not my thing. You know, I, right. I've seen a lot of stocks or stock YouTubers like really blow up in the last year because it's like, dude, yeah, it's crazy. Every day people want to hear something. They're like, what, what should mm -hmm. I buy today? You know, everyone's a day trader now. Crypto's the same way. Real estate's not like that. You know, real no. estate doesn't change day to day. Like it's just you know, the fundamentals are always the same. So it's kind of interesting to watch where I'm like, man, you know, you're seeing the most growth on YouTube with these guys that cover what's going on today. The meat Kevins grew so fast because they covered the news and the stimulus and, and Kevin did years of real estate content before right. that. And then you see, um, even Graham has started to do that too, where he's just pretty much only talking about the market these days, mm. like what's going on. And then I see all these crypto guys, these stock guys. So I'm like thinking in my head, I don't want to do it because I'm just not passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know what's going on with the news, but wondering how I could catch trends to, to you know, get that growth. Yeah, maybe if there are trends in the YouTube space, um, sorry, in the real estate space that you can cover on YouTube. Like I know that um, 
capital gains is a really big trend right now that people are really researching. And okay. a lot of people are thinking about moving to other states. Yeah. My Porter, I did a one on Puerto Rico that did really good. There you go. Was that on TikTok or YouTube? Um, I did on both. Okay. And then I got hated on by all the Puerto Ricans. Like they were <laughs> pissed that I was like bringing this to light. They're like, get out of here, you oh, colonizer. No. I'm like, damn, it's like that. Okay. You know, I thought that was back in the 1700s <laughs> that we were colonizing, but it, it's today. No. So I was thinking, <laughs> uh, well, for real estate, the content is evergreen. So like, yeah, it might not do so well right now. Right. But four years down the line, someone can still watch your video, get a ton of value out of it. Versus if we're talking about GameStop today, that's gone. Yeah. Six, that's gone right now. I right. Mean, well, and I'm total, and that's been my agenda the whole time. Put out mm -hmm. as much evergreen as possible. Yeah, I don't get the big pops of growth like you would covering a today news event, but um, it helps me in multiple ways. I mean, obviously I have my education business and people see that and they're like, oh, I want to learn real estate. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they come to my business and um, I have seen my real estate videos just slowly grow. Right. You know, over time. So I'm cool with that. I just want to kind of mix in, try and catch some of these trends, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. So I do, I did have a question for you. One of my burning questions that I had on my notebook was if you're completely new to real estate, what should, what should someone even be looking at? So you told me some about something about your education course. So we talked about the rookie course earlier, but yeah. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. What could I gain if I bought the rookie course? Cause I'm looking into buying my own first rental property right now. And I just was yeah. curious what your thoughts were. Um, so a couple of things. Um, I actually just released my rental property course. So that was one piece we were lacking. Mm. Like I have rentals and I've taught people how to do it, but I didn't have a course specifically for rentals. So like in that course, we talk about the tax advantages of rentals. We talk about how to acquire, how to finance, you know, creative financing. I even talk about Airbnbs and how I've run that business, which is extremely lucrative. And I think more people are going to start doing Airbnb, but, um, it covers everything from rentals A to Z. Hmm. Um, but as far as the rookie course goes, um, we're actually going to be including, um, I'm not sure if it'll be in by the time this podcast comes out, but, um, we're going to be including multiple courses in that, including the rental, um, how to flip houses, how to wholesale, how to build a business. Um, the rookie program has our own community of people in the program on Facebook. Um, it has two Zoom calls a week with my coaches and just walking everyone through how to actually implement these things, how to find off market deals, how to you know, fix up houses. Like We cover every aspect of real estate each week. And then we do a lot of Q&A so you can get your questions answered. Um, so I love the Rookie. It's grown extremely fast. You know, we launched it two months ago and we've got over 300 students in it now. Wow. Yeah. So nice. it was kind of a, a need I felt in the community because I've always had my all-star program, which is, you know, for people trying to scale. And, you know, that's where it's like, hey, we're talking about big picture things. How do you hire? How do you do these things? Whereas Rookie's like, hey, how do we learn the fundamentals you know, how can we get that first rental property? How can we get that first flip? You know, so what I would say for you is the same for them. <laughs> like, you know, at the very least, you know, get a course. But if, if you can afford it and you're really serious about it, get in the rookie program because it's a year long. So, okay. I see. It's like year long mentorship. Plus you learn all the basics and fundamentals, right? Yeah. Mm. And then, you know, we've had students already um, get a bunch of deals in rookie and they're like, dude, I want to move up to all star. And we're like, all right. Would you say most of the people in the rookie are looking to flip or are they looking to acquire rental properties and rent them out? And I, I would guess okay. probably 75% are looking to flip or wholesale. Mm. Um, but I mean, here's the deal with that. Every real estate investor wants rentals. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like it's just a matter of how are you going to go about getting there? Because right. for me, I was like, hey, dude, I, I'm not making any money. I'd ha I have to flip houses to make money. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. You know? So you were using that as a, as a source of your income yeah. to start. And then you were acquiring rental properties or investment exactly. properties after that. Got exactly. It. And, and the beauty is if you know how to flip and wholesale and find good deals, it's just a matter of saying, you know what? I just want to keep this one. Right. It's right. the same skill set. But you're still teaching that man to fish. Yeah. Right. So they're also learning to fish and then they're, you know, yeah. having some fish in the stockpile yeah. just for themselves later. Yeah. If they want to, if they want to keep a deal by all Got means, it. keep it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there are plenty of people, uh, who have great jobs who are in our programs because they're like, Oh, you know, I don't want to quit my job. Like I don't need to flip mm. houses. I just want to buy rentals. And so we're like, great. The same stuff applies. We're going to teach you how to find deals. We're going to teach you how to raise money. Just keep them. Just don't sell them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that would be my big advice to you. Okay. 
Thank but, you. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. So, I mean, you're crushing it on YouTube. You're crushing it on TikTok. Um, I, I want to talk more about that. But before we do, I want to uh, hear, like, how you got to this point. Like, what's your background? Yeah. So, <laughs> that I get that question quite a lot from TikTok because people are just like, you just know a lot of, like, random things <laughs> random about, about everything. Yeah. Uh, I've always been interested in money and personal finance from like a pretty young age, uh, mostly from my father. But after college, I actually worked at a few startups, mostly in mobile video games. Mm. And then after that, I was like, okay, maybe I should try finance out because my dad had always wanted me to try finance. I kind of wanted to impress my immigrant father, Yeah, uh, him being Chinese. And so, you know, I tried out financial advisory for a year, but I just didn't really like it. And I ended up quitting. But was he mad you quit? No. He's always right. actually pretty supportive. So right, no matter good. what I do, even even with this business, he's been really supportive. So, okay. uh, but financial advisory taught me a lot about you know how to adjust, you know how to assess risk, trying to figure out what to invest in, having a diversified portfolio, all those you know financial foundation good stuff. And so I always had that background, and then after that, it went back to mobile video games. I worked at like the top grossing iOS and Android game for three years from 2014 to 2016. It's, it was called Machine Zone. Okay. They made that game called Game of War and Mobile Strike. Okay. Yeah, I saw they those had ads, the, those all, ads the all the time during the Super Bowls and stuff. Yeah. Dude, how much money are those companies bringing in? At the height of Machine Zone, it was bringing in almost well over $120 million a month. $120 million a, a month. month. Yeah. I was going to say, man, is it like bringing in a million a day? That was like, oh anyway. yeah, like if we had a million dollar day, that was a bad day. It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> so basically, I would make changes in the game to sell more in-app purchases. Right. And I could see if I just made a quick change, like five minutes before the hour at the top of the hour, I could see if you know that hour spiked in sales, mm -hmm. and then it was all about figuring out, okay, how do I make the next hour bigger? How do I make the next hour bigger? But it was very much real time, and we had a twenty-four hour team managing each hour to make sure that we can maximize optimizing sales, optimizing sales, right? Cause they, the company was so well capitalized and there's a lot of investors that they had such high revenue targets. Yeah. And if we missed revenue by a little bit, that wasn't good. Like in, in the tech world, everything has to keep going up and to the right, up and to the right, up, up and to the right. Cause you're trying to sell. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but at the height it was doing really well. I think they just got acquired actually, uh, actually MZ, got acquired by a company called App Lovin. And App Lovin <laughs> reminds me of Super Bad. Mick Lovin. <laughs> Mick Lovin. That's my favorite movie, by the way. Dude, I love that I movie. I love that movie. But uh App Lovin actually just went public last week or two weeks ago. Oh. So they're listed on the one of the one of the exchanges. I don't know which one, but I think they're doing well. That's crazy, dude. But like, I was doing that for three years and then I started my own e commerce business, uh poster printing. And then now I'm just doing content. So that's kind of like my whole history. Dude, I, I got to talk more about the video games. So <laughs> right, we can talk about video games. You know, because you're just seeing the rise of, you know, video games with Fortnite, with Twitch, with you know, all the professional leagues and stuff. And it's just continuing to get. And then you, you see the YouTubers, man, like just how big they're getting just playing games. Like it's oh, absolutely yeah. insane. Like what was it like? Back in 2013, 2014, you know, you're starting to work for this mobile game. I see all this stuff. They're making a hundred and they're making a billion dollars a year. Yeah. Did, what was that like working there? Just do you think, did the numbers ever comprehend? You're like, dude, we're. No, you, you get desensitized <laughs> to the numbers because you're just like, how can you, how can you relate to those numbers? You know yeah. what I mean? You're seeing three, five million dollars a day, but you're, you don't really kind of understand it, I think. And, and the thing is with video games, it's all margin. Because you're selling things that don't exist. Yeah, it's right? just R&D. Yeah. So essentially... It's the best profit margin business ever. It's one of the best profit margin businesses out there. And that's why you kind of see a lot of creators or, you know, I think Mr. Beast wants to make a yeah. video game. Because, he has the finger on the app. Yeah. But I think he wants to make a game where he can monetize it even better. That right? will make Mr. Beast a billionaire. I think so too. Game. Yeah, the video game. Yeah, it's not even Beast Burgers or his YouTube channel. It's, it's selling the video game. Yeah, I think I would agree. If if he can come up with a video game with uh, in-app monetization, definitely. He will. It's just a matter of yeah. like what he wants to do. Correct. So it, it was kind of like working on a stock trading floor. That's maybe the closest thing you can kind of think about. Yeah, like, oh, these guys are just throwing millions and billions around, yeah. like whatever. That's just how it is. 
Yeah, and so you just have all these dashboards and all these monitors of like the revenue, how much people are on the game, you know, how many people are in right now. How do they evaluate your performance? Because you said you're just tweaking buttons and stuff, trying to incentivize purchases. How did you get judged on your performance? You know, that's a good question. It wasn't really like incentivized based on how much money you drove in. It was kind of like a more of a team collaborative effort. So at the beginning, it was just me and another guy and we were just like, messing around <laughs> you're like let's put the button in the top right and see yeah. what it happens yeah initially <laughs> actually initially it was just one guy and that i learned from this guy and this one guy was literally just staying up all night and just like tweaking Dude, things isn't that crazy that how big was the company when it was just one guy how much were they bringing in a day i think they had like 300 people at the time and bringing in a day maybe a million million or <laughs> this two million one guy's responsible for all of this dude yeah yeah his name was brendan and Whenever he went to sleep, you could see the revenue graph go down, <laughs> and then you you get pinged to get you know wake up again, and it would go back. Brendan, up. dude, <laughs> we just lost a hundred million dollars because you fell asleep, bro. Like, what are you doing? Well, yeah, that was the origin of why they wanted to have what's called a live operations team. They called it live ops, but basically a twenty four hour team that was managing you know revenue on an hourly basis. So, dude, that's freaking that's it. Just goes to show, you know. I I think about my different businesses I've started, you know, and it's always starting like small, right? You have me and then you have like the guy who's starting it. And then, you know, we grow the team, we grow the team and there's always, you know, just growth periods and there's always problems and you just fixing problems and trying to scale. And it's just funny to see that even at that level, it's still so like unorganized. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Have you ever (laughs) played the game clash of clans? I've heard of it. I mean, I, I know what it is. I just, I've never played it. Yeah, so so it's a it's one of the biggest iOS games out there. Before Machine Zone was number one, number two, Clash of Clans was always number one. Yeah. And they're a Finnish company. I believe Finnish or Norwegian. One of the, one of the Scandinavian countries. And they did not do any in-app monetization besides like just selling their packs. Like they, they didn't, they weren't pushing it hard. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they started pushing it hard and they just, you know, they reclaimed that spot, but it was just one guy at that company. And it was driving just like one. And I think still to this day, it's only just a couple guys. That's insane, dude. How do you not? Okay. You don't have to share if you don't want, but like, Mm -hmm. what does a guy like that make? So when I was at Machine Zone, I was making mid six figures uh, between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars. I guess I just revealed it, but around one hundred forty, hundred fifty thousand dollars. And then I would get a bonus at the end of the year. Just, yeah. but it was kind of not really based on anything. It was just like based on like, okay, we had the company did, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a good year. You get a bonus. Yeah, here, here's a bonus. But, yeah. um, but before that, before it even got to that, I think I was only making like fifty grand, and then you, you know, started 20, out there at fifty in twenty fourteen. Yeah, I started out at actually, I started out hourly at like eighteen bucks an hour, and then the company started doing better, and then I got to like fifty, and then it was seventy five, and then I got eighty five, and then all of a sudden I'm making a hundred, and then now I'm at like one you know, mid yeah. 140, 150 with stock options. So, so what um, happened? Like you, you're there for three years. What, like, how did it end? I ended up leaving because it was a pretty intense job. Like you're on call all the time. Yeah. And, uh, I actually bought the stock options, but when MZ got acquired, they actually, those stock options did not pay out. So I actually lost some money on those. Why? So they got acquired for less than the amount that was invested into them. So they were really prosperous for a long time and they took some money off the table. But as they started to decline, they weren't doing that well. The CEO left. And once the CEO left, I think the company just didn't do that well anymore. Wow. And so it was kind of like a rise and a fall. But during the peak, it was doing really well. Yeah. But I bought the stock options basically during the peak. And so imagine like once it gets acquired, if it's underwater... You know, let's say investors are in for a total of five hundred million dollars, and it right. gets acquired for four hundred million. Well, nobody makes any money at that point. So, right, you're just getting your money back. Yeah, minus some. So, at that point, I mean, that, that, there's so many things that go through my mind, like listening to this story. Um, I actually had my, who you may know, Noah Kagan. He's on YouTube. I've seen his videos. Yeah, they're great. Engaging guy. Yeah, he's a cool dude. So he was on the the podcast recently and he was telling me about how he um, was like, he didn't create Farmville on Facebook. You remember that? I remember that game, yeah. Yeah, so he he created all these things around these Facebook games like Farmville and stuff. And uh, 
he, he, he had some pretty insightful things to say about, like he created a payment processor for Facebook and then Facebook oh, cool. shut him down because he was making too much money. <laughs> yeah. Cause Facebook was taking a 30% cut and he was able to get around that. Yeah. Right. Was that, it was happened? like he was processing maybe in-app purchases like on Farmville and stuff yeah. too for the, for the companies. So, but he ended up suing Facebook and won. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like that's a hard win. Very hard win. <laughs> And he used to work at Facebook too. He okay. was like employee number 30 at Facebook. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it super, I want to get more tech guys on. The more I talk to you guys, I'm like, dang, like I'm thinking <laughs> way too small. I need an app. I need, you know, all this other stuff that uh, is where the big money's at. Um, but I want to talk to you about um, the future of games even more because there's, there's some things that I've been seeing that are pretty interesting. Um, but before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Many people want to talk about how much money they make, but what's more important is how much money they keep. That's where my company, TrueBook CPA, comes in. We help real estate investors and business owners across the country with all types of tax and accounting services. This includes bookkeeping, tax planning, tax preparation, and CFO consulting. I can tell you, my businesses have exploded since I started taking my accounting seriously. And if you want to do the same, you can go book a free call at truebookscpa.com. Once again, that's truebookscpa.com. One of the hardest parts about real estate investing is finding a good contractor. That's where Southwestern Custom Construction comes in. They've been doing remodels in Nevada and Arizona since 2006. As a fully licensed and bonded general contractor, they're able to help with any type of renovation all the way from an entry-level fixer-upper to a custom luxury home. Southwestern Custom Construction specializes in working with investors. I've personally used them on many of my projects, so I know their team is legit. If you want to get a bid on a project, head over to customhomenow.com. Once again, that's customhomenow.com. One of the best ways to get off-market real estate deals is through cold calling. And if you want to reach as many people as fast as possible, then you need Batch Dialer. With their predictive dialing technology and built-in CRM, Batch Dialer is one of the top dialers in the industry. You can switch between single or multi-line dialing, as well as do voicemail drops and call recordings. And for being a listener of The Ryan Pineda Show, you'll get a seven-day free trial. Just go to batchdialer.com slash Ryan. Once again, that's batchdialer.com slash Ryan. Now, back to the show. So, dude, you got me really fascinated about the video games. And um, what do you think about like Fortnite and these companies now, because I was always looking at it like, why can't, you know, you play your Xbox and your PS4 or 5 now, whatever they have, and play each other, and then Fortnite figured it out, and then now they're in a dispute with Apple or something. Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, so I think any video game business is a good business, but they're really hard to get to the point where tons of people play it. Right, there's tons of games, and they take a lot of R and D. So these com- these games don't take like just 500k to start. Yeah. They take you know multi millions of dollars just to start. And if it flops, it is what it is. It is what it is, right? But if you get a hit like Fortnite, and you get you know b- millions of players playing it and buying all the in-app goods, then I think it's a great it's a great business model. Uh, the reason why Fortnite's in an argument with Apple is that Fortnite's tired of paying the Apple 30% tax. Mm-hmm. Right, so if you if you download Fortnite on the App Store, and you buy anything through Fortnite via your iOS device, you have yeah. to pay 30 percent of Fortnite's revenue goes straight to Apple. Pretty much what Noah was doing. Yeah. to Facebook. I mean, Facebook does the same thing. I think they have the same. It's yeah. called the Facebook tax or whatever it is. But I don't know what the Android one is. But I think Apple is notoriously. <laughs> they just want all your money. They want thirty percent, and it kind of makes sense because they started the platform. It's kind of like YouTube. Like we can't do YouTube without YouTube. Right. And so they take their ad cut. Right. Um, it's kind of like that, I guess. Yeah. So the one thing that so. I'll say about YouTube, though, is like, you know, creators, we get like 50% of it. Yeah. I think and we get like 55, right? Yeah. 55. Yeah. And to me, that's extremely generous because when you look at the other platforms, TikTok don't pay crap. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Instagram literally doesn't pay you. You have to actually pay Instagram to like get traffic to your, your page. Right. And so. The fact that YouTube still does that, knowing that, you know, creators, if they changed it to say 30% or whatever, like Mm. creators couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, it's really interesting because if they ever do make a change like that, 
I mean, we can't do anything about it. No. And we're kind of already tied to the platform, right? But right. that's why I think your business is so great is because you're so well diversified elsewhere. And that's what any YouTuber will tell you if you're starting a YouTube channel. Don't be so diversified or don't be so concentrated in just YouTube. They're all so scared of YouTube changing at any minute. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You oh, know, man. that's why I'm, I'm always focusing on everything. You know, we got this podcast now. Sure. And it's, uh, it's interesting that the amount of paranoia I see amongst YouTubers making a lot of money. Do you think it's deserved? Um, yeah. I mean, dude, if you have a following, this is my whole thing. If mm -hmm. you have an influence, create businesses around it, especially for those that are in the, it, actually, it doesn't even matter. You don't even have to be in the finance space. You know, look at Mr. Beast. We're talking about Mr. Sure. Beast, right? Great job of creating businesses around his YouTube. He is not, and he's like YouTube's biggest fan. You ever hear him talk? He's yeah. like, I love YouTube. Yeah. It's all I've ever wanted to do since I was born. Like, yep. he loves it, but he's still smart enough to say, I got to, I can't rely on YouTube. Yeah, diversify. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to make the biggest businesses for sure. If he just creates a video game like we're talking about. Yeah. Billionaire. I mean, it could just be a really basic game. Like, have you ever played Temple Run? But if it's like Mr. Beast Run, I don't know. It's yeah, just like he a doesn't need this game. crazy yeah. development game. Like, <laughs> just like I forgot, Flappy Bird was a like the last game I played. They could, yeah, they could literally put Mr. Beast's head on a little Flappy Bird, and I'm sure he could make like a hundred grand a month easily. Easily, oh, way, more. Grand, way, way more, way more, right? Yeah, yeah. hundred grand a day. Oh, sorry, not hundred grand a month. Hundred grand a day. That's what I meant. Yeah. So <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Um. So you don't you don't have any desire to like get back in the tech space or anything? No, not at this time. I mean, eventually, I just want to build my YouTube as big as possible and my TikTok as big as possible, and then see where I can take it from there. Yeah. So tell me about your investments. I know you're trying to buy your first rental property. Yep. You talk a lot about stocks and stuff. Like, how are you invested? Yeah, right now I have probably half my net worth sitting in cash because I want to buy a rental property. Right. My net worth is not high. <laughs> it's I'm not I'm not Ryan Pineda level yet, but uh, you know I I make a decent income from all the content stuff. I have stocks investments from you know a while ago. Yeah. I have savings from my tech job and my e-commerce business, right. which was doing pretty well. So I'm just trying to buy a rental property. I would say right now half cash, twenty five percent stocks. I think crypto is actually like 25% now just because everything's gone up so much. And I bought a lot of crypto last year during March, oh, nice. March of 2020. Dude, nice. So I actually need to sell some of that off to be well, like better diversified. But for now, I saw that you made a lot of money in this pancake. Oh, you saw whatever that, <laughs> whatever this when, is. <laughs> you know, but, I, uh, you know what crypto does for me? It fuels my gambling addiction. <laughs> so but you live in Vegas. You I can know. Go, like right I, there. You know, I grew up playing poker and blackjack and stuff and, I actually had one of my students on. He uh, he had a sports betting business. So he, oh, cool. He was selling sports betting picks, and he sold that business and whatever. And then um, him and I were talking about it. He's like, yeah, you know, you should come to the casino and play with me. I'm like, dude, at this point, nothing makes, like, I just know I could spend my time, like, yeah. with guaranteed money, just doing something that's going to guarantee me money. Um, but crypto kind of gives me that uh, gambling addiction kind of kind of hits that spot right yeah i'm yeah. like you know what scratches that i, I, I kind of got i got good information on this like let's take a gamble at it's not right right it's not like where i, I know going into the casino i'm at a disadvantage no matter yeah, what you already know that you're at a 46 percent at best or whatever it is right, right? with yeah. crypto it's like if you have good information especially behind the scenes on these altcoins where everything is a complete scam by the way um <laughs> <laughs> like pancake bunny dude i do i think pancake bunny is Dude, we're, we're talking about a crypto named Pancake Bunny. It's the yeah, stupidest thing yeah, ever. Yeah. But um, I had, I had good information. I was like, all right, I'll throw hundred I'll throw 100000 at this. I did. And you know, I made sixty k in 10 days. I was like, this yeah, is cool. Yeah. There's that other crypto that was created called SafeMoon. Dude, I, they literally I, just named it to go to the moon. And it's like, <laughs> it's going, it's it's growing because it's such a, you know, it's so yeah. dumb that it's smart. It's like the, yeah, every time I post about crypto, everyone comments like, Safe moon, safe moon, <laughs> safe moon, Dogecoin. I'm like, guys, okay, first off, these cryptos are completely useless. Like, there's there's not any kind of functionality behind them. They're not trying to change the world. They're just, they're junk. You know, this is not Bitcoin or Ethereum that we're talking about. Here. Right, right. I mean, I think they are irrational, but it's funny because people act irrationally. And if, yeah. you, can, if you can capture or, like, capitalize on that, then you can make 
potentially a lot of money, right? I'm with you. And I kind of am kicking myself about Doge, right? I think everyone is because yeah. you see it was like less than a cent and then all of a sudden it went to 40 cents. It's like, dude, you could have... 40 x Dude, 40 yeah. x in a couple months? Are you kidding me? 100K would have been four, 4 million bucks. And um, I invested way more than that into Bitcoin and stuff. Right, and right. I'm over here like on my high horse like saying, oh man, Dogecoin's stupid. I remember telling everyone in my office that. I'm like, you guys are dumb. Like, Yeah. And that was when Dogecoin was like five cents. I'm like, do not buy Dogecoin. It's worthless. But now that I think about it in hindsight, everything's in hindsight. You're like, man, maybe it's not dumb to bet on, you know, hype. Like it, you got Elon Musk tweeting about it. You got everybody just loves it. It's a meme. It's always going to be relevant. So looking back, it might not have been a bad thing, but yeah, it's all about, I guess, if you're the average investor out there, you know, if you, if you can stomach an 80% loss, but at the same time have like a one less than 1% chance of a 40 X or <laughs> maybe it's worth it. You know what I mean? Like right. you put, you put two grand in there. You're like, okay, I could lose 1600, but I could make, you know, yeah, a lot of money. 100x. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing I've realized cuz I never grew up trading stocks. You know, it was always real estate 100%. I had no diversification. I was all in on real estate. Crypto is the only thing like now that I'm diversified. I have a maybe, I don't know, 2% in stocks. And don't un like I understand them somewhat, but not enough to care. And so what what I've realized with stocks and crypto is they're both just so daily and so just news reliant. That's it. It's like it's like it's like the companies just strictly are just all about the news. Sure. Yeah. Is that true? It, I don't know too much about all coins to be honest. I I've invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Well, I'm saying stocks in general. Oh, though, stocks, right? stocks. Uh, I mean, I think if you're holding for ten or twenty years, then it's about the company. Then it's about the company. But these price movements that people want, like today and next month, then it's about the news, right? Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of people ask me in my DMs. It's like, hey, what stock should I buy? I'm like, well, how long are you going to hold it for? And they sometimes don't even know. Uh, if you want something that grows fast, I'm not going to tell you to invest in Johnson & Johnson, right? <laughs> right like right. that's going to grow really slowly. But in 20 years, you'll still have that investment. Hopefully, you, know, you ain't going to worry likely. about them going under. Exactly. But if you want like a 30%, which is still high, by the way, 30% growth in a year, it's yeah. crazy high. That's super high. Then you not want, in crypto, but not in crypto, right? <laughs> that happens in a day. On you want to choose. You want to choose an investment or a stock that might do that this year, based on whatever you think might happen this year, right? right? So, so you were a financial advisor, right? Correct. Yep. I mean, as a financial advisor, that's what you got your degree in finance. I got my degree in finance. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, you and I are about the same age. We're a year apart. We mm -hmm. went to college, you know, during over the financial a crisis. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. And back then, I wasn't paying much attention to school. I was focused on sports and stuff, but I ended up getting my economics degree. And I'll tell you back then, obviously, crypto was not even a thing, you know, yep. back when we were in college. Um, it was just always like, hey, invest in stocks. But when we were in college, it was never talk of invest in real estate because real estate just freaking caused everything to crash. Everybody right. was hating real estate, which in turn actually was the best investment you could have made. I also felt like I needed so much capital to start real estate that as a fresh grad, how am I going to get, especially in California, how am I going to get to right. scrap together 200 grand for a down payment? Right? right. Like, but now looking back in hindsight, you're like, yeah, I should have bought everything. I should have bought. Yeah, yeah. Everything in 2011, 2010, whatever. Yep. You're right. Didn't matter. So as, as your experience as a financial advisor evolved and, you know, now, <laughs> you know, with TikTok finance and stuff, what is your perception of, you know, the asset classes. I mean, we're talking about real estate, stocks, crypto for yours. Like, I know real estate's new for you. Right. Um, crypto, I think, is pretty new for everyone. Like, how, how do you feel about each asset class? I actually want to, I think real estate is the best asset class. Yeah. And I think that that's what I want to acquire over the long term. Yeah. And that's always what I've believed is real estate is the best asset class because it's always going to be there. You know, if there's a lot of inflation or a lot of monetary supply pumped into the economy, your investment, <laughs> your your investment grows. Uh, there's so many options with real estate, right? You, I mean, you probably know a bunch of different tax strategies for real estate, but it just seems like the most divert, like diverse asset class out there. Like you can do so much with it, and there's so many different ways to look at it, mm -hmm. which is what I like. Um, 
And I kind of like the idea that you could have like 30 rental properties all cash flowing for you, right? And having like a passive income lifestyle that way. Well, you could have passive income today and then 30 years from now, they're all paid off. Exactly. You're extremely rich. So, and, and you know, I look around me and I look around at, you know, my, my friends who have parents that are really successful. What are they in? They're in real estate. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of real estate properties. They own storage facilities. They own, you know, parking lots. Any, anything with real estate just seems to be. Never goes wrong. Never like, doesn't like, go wrong. And even the people that bought back in 07, if they would have just held. Sure. They'd be yeah, fine. They'd be fine right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if your time horizon is long enough and if you can get into real estate, I think that that's why I'm looking to buy a rental property. And I'm not going to stop at just one rental property. I'd like to have a few. Yeah. Um, but my goal is a little bit different. I'm not, I don't want to leverage myself too much. I think that just comes from my values. Like I just would rather put more down on a house, Mm. have a smaller, have a smaller mortgage payment, shorter mortgage term, and just try to get it paid off as quickly as possible. And then just have those appreciate. Yeah. I'm the exact opposite, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I'm super risky. I mean, every time I'm one of the riskiest people I know, um, as far as just making bets and leverage. Interesting. Like I, you know, when I got started, I had to max out all my credit cards for 50 grand to, to get my first deal. I was like, hey, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know. Yeah. I'll have to recover. Um, and then any other business I go to, it's always like, we're going all in. I don't have mm. like an in-between like switch. It's either we're all in or we're all out. And that was like the whole deal with even Pancake Bunny. You know, they were like, I, I was on Graham's podcast talking about it. And he's like... I would have put like 500 bucks at something like that. I'm like, $500? Like, why am I even going to watch it for $500? Right, like, right, right. It's going to be, that's going to cost me more time figuring out how to buy stupid Pancake Bunny and then go watch it every day to figure out how I could sell it and make 200 bucks. Right. If you're going <laughs> to bet on something, you're going to bet a little bit bigger to make it worth your time. It's got to be worth my time. Yeah. If I'm going to put the research into something, I'm going all in. Got it. And everything. Um, So... Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I like, I for me, real estate, um, I think the biggest benefits of real estate, especially when it comes to rental properties, is is leverage, like we're talking about. You know, with that, it, let's just say you're talking about putting a huge down payment, right? Like, at sure. the end of the day, and you know the math, but it's like, okay, you could have probably bought two instead of the that's one. That's true. And with those two, eventually, you're going to own two properties 30 years from now, free and clear, versus just one. And yeah. you'll probably cash flow the same because now you have two properties. I get that. Yeah. I just like, I don't know. And you know get more it, depreciation. I don't, know what, I don't know what it is. I, I think I'm just like a little bit more risk averse when it comes to that. Like well, I'd rather just have the certainty. Have it. Yeah. Certainty. Like that's going to be free and clear. And then I can just add another one. Then add another one. Well, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that because I have a lot of real estate friends who got destroyed during the crash, right. had to rebuild, and they vowed, they said, never again will I take out debt to buy real estate. See, that's what I've heard from every other real estate investor that's gone through like a bad, a bad crash. Experience. Right. They're always like, I'm not going to get so levered up. Nope. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to guard against. I'm just not as risky as you maybe, but... I'm ultra risky. <laughs> People should always take whatever I say with like, this guy, he's like way on the other side if he don't care. Right, um, right. But... Yeah, so like I, I have a lot of friends who are like, my house is paid off free and clear. All my rentals are paid off free and clear. Mm-hmm. I've got my, you know, whatever amount and I'm good. I am not, I'm like, bro, you could freaking get a line of credit against those. You could go buy a hundred more. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> and it's just different mindsets. And I think for me. Well, yeah. well, let me ask you this. What's your ultimate goal? Is your ultimate goal like to have a net worth of a hundred million dollars or more? No, or does does that even matter to you that that number or what is it no. about being risky that you like? I think I'm risky because I don't care about the money. That's what I think it mm. is. I think most people are so like, man, I got to preserve my cash. I've worked mm. hard and my wealth. Whereas I'm like, I don't even care. Like it's literally just a digit to me. Which at the end of the day, with how the U.S. is printing money, it kind of just is. And um, I'm just like, to me, it's all game. It's like Clash of Clans, man. Like- <laughs> sure, but let's say you went to zero today. I mean, I know that you, with all your skills right now, you can make that back, right? You can make money again. That's how start, I look at it. Starting from, from day one, but would that make you uncomfortable having zero today? Not being able to make a payment, you know, on something next next month? I think I'm so creative that I would find a way to, you know, 
I'd find the next best thing going forward. Like if, sure. if, if everything got lost today, I'd be like, all right, what's, what are we doing now? I'm like the eternal optimist on everything. Got it. And, um, even with, you know, the real estate and stuff, I have absolutely no problem selling everything I own. I don't care mm. if I had to sell my Tesla, if I had to sell my house, if I had to sell, uh, you know, everything I would sell it tomorrow. So here's a question. If everybody had your mindset, do you think that that would serve them? That would benefit them. So like, let's say, you know, you get someone in the future flipper course. If they had an, a riskier mindset or an eternally optimistic mindset, because that's something pretty rare. Not many people have the eternally optimistic mindset. Mm -hmm. But if you can impart one part of yourself onto, let's say, a flipper right. who's just starting out today, is that what you would impart on them? The, yeah. The mindset. Yeah, for sure. Because I think, especially when it comes to flipping, there's always... The reason people don't get started is paralysis by analysis. Like, they just literally... They think about everything that can go wrong. Sure. And they take no action. And I, I just know for me, it's like, dude, if I thought about everything that could go wrong and all of my things I've got going on, oh my gosh, I'd have a, a list to cover this whole room. Mm. So I don't even think about them. So you just don't think... You just... you. You execute, and then when you come, when you run into a problem or a bridge, you're like, okay, how do I solve this, right? Exactly. And you execute on that, and you exactly. keep going, you keep going. Exactly. I think it's kind of the same with making content, to be honest. Sometimes I get stuck in analysis paralysis on YouTube. I'm like, oh, man, should I make this video or should I make this video? But I would just be better served if I just made one video, learn from it, make the next video better. That's what I right? do. I'm just like, all right, what are we making this week? Okay. It, this is not, this is not also, this is something we're, we're working on, you know, cause this is a problem. It's gotten me to this point, but here's right. the thing with all business is like, you can do things a certain way to a certain point And then you, you hit your ceiling. You hit a little plateau. Yeah. Which is where I'm at right now. And so I'm like, all right, we're at our plateau. Like, what are we going to do? You know, let's, uh, we got to change things up. And that's literally every business I own has always gone through these growth, the plateau, the growth, the plateau. And in order to keep growing, you have to change. You yep, know, yep. hit the plateau. You cannot just be like, oh, it'll it'll work itself out. No. No. Then do Okay, that. so you recognize that like, okay, that maybe your some of your stuff is hitting a plateau and like now you're thinking about, okay, how do I grow it next? Right? right. And that's where the optimistic mindset comes into play too. Yeah. I mean, there's always problems. Here's the deal. You get paid to solve problems. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so um think about like the video game apps. Okay. You said um you know, the company you work for was, was top of the thing, number one, right? Yep. Now they don't even have a game. Correct. Like apps are just always like that. It's yeah. like, you know, you're the hot app for as long as possible, but you know it is not long-term. So you better be coming out with a new, you know, game or something. Yep. Always. Like Fortnite knows in 10 years, kids aren't going to be playing Fortnite. They're no. going to be playing something different. And they're already planning for that. You just accept it. Right. And um, I, I see that with content, like we're talking about. Like our content has got us to where we're at. Mm -hmm. And eventually people are just going to get tired of it. It's like, damn, like how many skits can I see from Humphrey? Like it is. Yeah. I'm already, know? I'm already seeing that. So if, you, if yeah. you're watching, go, go like my videos. <laughs> <laughs> I need more likes. <laughs> we need more likes. Like the skits, like the skits, but you know, you're going to, you're going to try something new and it's going to work. And people are like, dang, like that's cool. And then, you know, you'll throw the skits in here or there. And those are going to be like the, the flashbacks. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, oh Yeah. Those are cool. And then they, then they become trending again. They're like, dang, nobody does skits anymore. Then you bring them back. Yep. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm thinking on the content side, where, you know, what can we do that's different to kind of revitalize it? What can we do to get in front of, you know, a new audience who doesn't mm -hmm. know us yet? Um, you actually gave me a really good tip that I'm going to start implementing. Um, the subscribe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me about that. So everyone else can know uh, like this, this helped you. Yeah, so this one helped me if you have a YouTube channel, but I learned it from Dream, which is a popular video game creator. But at the beginning of every one of Dream's videos, he just says, hey, a large percentage of you guys are watching me, but you're not subscribed. So please subscribe and you can always change your mind. And he usually says it for Dream. He usually says it in the first 15 seconds. Well, the other part you mentioned too, hey, make sure you, you know, please subscribe. It's totally free. If it's you, free. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. That's right. That's the thing is, a lot of people, especially older people that are watching YouTube, they don't know what the subscribe button does. They're they're afraid if they click subscribe that they're going to be, you know, 
they're tricked gonna, into some nine ninety nine. They are subscribing feet. to a monthly service. Exactly. And that I think they should really change that wording on subscriptions for YouTube because that was just make it follow, just like follow. everyone else. Exactly. And so uh that's something I learned from Dream and I just straight up took it from him. If shout out think, to Dream. I don't think he'd be watching this, but if he does watch it, you know, shout out to him. But yeah. No, and I thought that was so cool because um, you told me after you did that, you saw your your subscriber count spike. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that I never even do in my videos. Like at the very end, the very end yeah. I'm just, and you know, who actually makes it to the end, right? About 20% of your viewers, maybe exactly. right? 20, so 30%. I've never given them a call to action. Um, and you watch other YouTubers, they're all always asking, hey, make sure you hit the like button, make yep. sure you subscribe. And that, that could be another reason I've plateaued is because I'm just not being aggressive enough. For me, I didn't want to come across as too salesy with it. Yeah. And that's why I really liked the phrase that Dream came up with because it's kind of like no pressure. It's like, hey, it's free. You can change your mind whenever you want. And, you know, it helps me out. It's well, kind of like, it's kind of nice that way. Well, the thing too that blew my mind what you said was so many people say, hey, hit the... Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. Mm-hmm. But nobody, I never even thought that people could think it costs them money. But it makes perfect sense that, yeah, what subscription is free? There's no free subscriptions these days. Everything, you know, $9.99. Exactly. And exactly. it's like, yeah, there probably are a lot of people who think if they subscribe, they, they have to pay me. That's correct. Yeah. that's. Uh, I think that's something that somebody mentioned in one of the YouTube videos I watched a lot is uh, people don't know that it's free. So. Yeah. That's a tip. Yeah. Try it out. You, you gave me another good tip too about TikTok. Um, you were saying that they have this new three minute feature. Sure. Yeah. That uh, we're going to have to test out now. We're going to have to test it out. Yeah. I don't know what, what we're going to put up there, but yeah. So you're saying, you know, TikTok is now allowing three minute videos, which they're going to push more because they want more they're, of that content. They're testing it with some creators. And I think Ryan, you had it available to you. Which I just is nice. never have done it. Yeah. Um, but you have to upload a non-native TikToks. You got to film it somewhere else and then you upload it. But typically what I've noticed with the TikTok algorithm, three minute videos do well because people are confused. It's more confusion. They're like, why is this video so long? <laughs> when is this going to end? Yeah. And so they end up watching a lot of it and then they're like, okay, that was a weird, that was weird. That was, you know, and TikTok loves that, that you're on it for three minutes. That's huge of watch course. time. I mean, that's the whole reason why videos blow up right now is they look at your watch time. Yeah. So do you think even despite the three minute videos that just longer videos in general are better? No, I actually still think, I think TikTok's going to revert that. I, that's my personal opinion. I think that they're testing it out, but it's probably going to show that because TikTok was made to be a short form kind of content. Three minutes is like minutes. long thinking about it. Yeah, that's a long time. That yeah. could be, that. that's like old school YouTube. Right. YouTube used to be like IGTV minute, minute. right yeah. now. I don't know if I could watch a three minute TikTok. I think I'd wanted to scroll right well to keep somebody engaged for three minutes on tiktok like dude how many transitions and cuts can i do so many because it's one thing if it's a youtube where hey i'm just talking and that's normal for the platform but these guys like man to keep somebody's attention on tiktok you gotta three you gotta like grab it just constantly change the scene and I would even say a three-minute TikTok well edited for engagement is probably harder than a YouTube video that's 10 minutes long. Oh, yeah. Because I agree. the frame of mind that someone has on YouTube, uh, on TikTok sorry, is like 10 seconds. Like if you, I, I scroll within five seconds if I'm like, ah, I don't want that. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so what do you think the optimal time is for a TikTok? Right now, I think it's between 30 and 40 seconds. So it is longer. I mean- It is a little longer, but I think that there are- So, Okay. I'll take that back. I think that the best is between 8 and 15 seconds if you can make it kind of funny and like a meme or something like that. Right. But then other than that, like if you want to do a little bit of longer, 30 and 40 seconds. Well, and I think um, for our type of content, it's like impossible to do an 8 to 15 second thing and like get really value. It's just, yeah, you're just doing one of these, <laughs> one of my pointing videos. Like what else yeah, are you going to do? Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever uploaded a TikTok that's actually providing value. Exactly. That's like less than 30 seconds or 20, 25 You can't explain seconds. something in that short of time. Yeah, I've definitely done like a meme t- TikTok that's like, you know, that's just a trend or something. So right. that's easier, but. Right. Um. So you like 30 to 40 seconds. The reason that I, I've been like pretty much making every single one 30 seconds so that I could throw it on IG Reels. Yeah. I try to hit that. I try to hit the IG Reel 30 seconds. 
there's some videos that I love on TikTok. It's like 36. I'm like, God. You know what I mean? like, I, and I try to edit it, but I, I would be editing like a, a certain a, piece that a would, piece that needed yeah, to be I'm there. Just like, I can't do it. So yeah. What other tips you got, dude? I, I want to pick your brain. I got a lot of tips. What do you uh, on YouTube on TikTok? Yeah, both YouTube or TikTok. Uh, YouTube, I try to aim for a 10% click-through rate and a 60% average view duration. I never get there. I know. Almost never. Yeah. I almost never get there. But there are some, like that video I was telling you about that did really well. I think it started off with like an 8% click-through rate and like a 58 or 60% click uh, view duration. Right. And that's done really well for the algorithm. Right. And I secretly think that, I don't secretly think, I think I, I'm pretty sure that YouTube really prefers videos back to back to back that are good. So mm -hmm. like if you release a video that's good and the next video sucks, I think the algorithm starts to, to prefer you less. I, I've Graham has said that as well. Yeah. So there's like this huge pressure of momentum, right? Like you don't want to release a flop because if you release a flop, the algorithm all of a sudden won't serve you any more views. Mm. That's my personal opinion. And you know, I, if Graham says it, then it's probably true because he's probably observed it just in his he has observed algorithm. It. The one thing I'll say I've experienced, once again, when I'm risky, I don't really care. Yeah. I've experimented every way. I've experimented going um, three videos a week, just mm -hmm. trying to do the very best videos possible, which is Graham's advice as well. He's told me that multiple times. He thinks, hey, you should just do three of your very best, cut out right. that. And then I've tried seven. Right. And obviously with seven, you're not going to put your best foot forward every day. It just is what it is. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. And... I had more growth with seven. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because it gave me more chances to go viral. Um, mm. It just, I made more money with, with AdSense because it's just, there's more views. And yeah. More videos. Regular viewership. Yeah. And then, you know, when I look at say meet Kevin and what he's doing, right. What's he's he doing like it to the extreme. He's like 20 videos a week, yeah. three, three a day. Yeah. Minimum three a day. So it's not like he's putting his best for, foot forward on every video. In fact, he didn't even edit anymore. He just live streams and that's the video. Yeah. So, I don't know. My my results have shown me that quantity wins, even having mm. flops within the quantity. Um, but I don't know. I mean, interesting. Yeah. But if you think about it like this too, if uh, I guess it depends on your goal too. Is your goal to get just the best engagement? You know, and just because right. you know you will get better engagement posting less. But if you post more, I think it's inevitable that you'll get more views. You'll get. It's just how it goes. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about where my YouTube strategy is right now. Right now, I'm just kind of between one and two a week, and yeah. I'm trying to up that. Um, I thought about doing five a week, like an everyday kind of thing, but I just don't think I could handle it. Plus, the TikToks I got to make. Yeah. Um, it all goes I, to lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's like there's so many. I think it's kind of like real estate. There's different ways to skin the cat, right? Yeah. Like. You can you can do it your way, whatever yeah. whatever way that you were seeing the most growth, you should probably stick to that. Yeah, until it doesn't work anymore. Well, and the thing is too, now I've got this podcast, right? This is a big. Um, is this a video podcast as yep. well? Like you put yep. on your. So we have a second YouTube channel, Ryan Pineda Show. Yep, got it. So, um, you know, releasing two two of these a week, plus we repurpose one for the main. And the reason mm. we repurpose one, that you know they haven't been doing that great, but the reason we do it is just to make people aware that a podcast exists like a shorter yeah. version of it. Okay, yeah. So we'll it. probably take like a 10 minute clip from this podcast and throw Perfect. it on the main. Nice. Um, so I think it's just, and my guess is it'll probably be like the video game segment. That was, pretty, <laughs> that was right. interesting, dude. Sounds good. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think like you said, you got to do what you see works for you. Number one. And then two, like what you're comfortable doing. Cause like right. everyone always says with Kevin, He's just a maniac. There's no way that I'm doing that. I'm not making 30 videos a week. Um, PewDiePie is the same way. Like PewDiePie releases a video every day. You know, Mr. Beast releases one every week. It's just mm -hmm. the highest quality video that money right. can buy. So I think everyone has success in different ways. It's just a matter of how much work you want to put into. I, I would say the big key is for the guys who do volume, there's not a lot of prep that goes into it. It's like me, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, it's like no prep almost. Yeah. Even me, it's like, yeah, you know, let's just talk. We'll talk about this subject. I already know it. I don't need to research it. Yeah. Versus a Mr. Beast or, you know, a very informative video. Like, yo, there's so much prep involved. Yeah, a lot of prep. Yeah. Would you say Graham's somewhere in the middle? 
Um, because he preps a lot. He does. Yeah. So I think he's another one who preps a lot. Um, because he's got to stay up to date on whatever's going on in the market mm-hmm. and the news and all that. Um, so I I just think you have to pick if you're going to prep a lot, then you're probably not going to put out volume. Yeah. I yeah I would agree with that. And then on TikTok, let's talk about TikTok. Okay. Because uh, I feel like people want TikTok tips. Okay. I try to make the, con- I feel like the content that does the best vir- virally is stuff that's relatable to everybody. So it's usually wide, wide audience stuff. Right. So sometimes the real estate stuff will do well, but. It's too niche. It's sometimes it's too niche. Like, uh, like house hacking does well on, on TikTok because everyone's like, okay, I rent a place and I can rent out a place. Yeah. But something like uh what's the difference between a fifteen versus a thirty year mortgage is almost too niche already. Really? Even that. I think even that is almost too niche. Yeah. But um so I would stick to a wide topic and then uh the first three seconds always. always. I'm always thinking about how oh, am I, I gonna them. get this person to stay for longer than three seconds? Right. And then quick transitions, quick cuts, um, try to tell a story, Text all bubbles. that stuff. Yep, text bubbles. And I would say it's more about the things you leave out rather than the things you leave in. So for me, when I'm, I actually script most of my TikTok videos, mm-hmm. at least 90% of them. And it's usually a lot longer. And I try to think, I look at the words, you know, on the, on the screen. I'm like, how do I make this shorter, but mm-hmm. still convey the same information? Right. That's kind of where I try to get to. So when you say leave out, it's not like we're leaving out important information. Correct. You're just Correct. like, how do I make this as short as possible? Exactly. As yeah. short as possible, but but all the vital information is there. Right. I found that that works really well for me. Right. Do you, something I've thought about with TikTok is, um, you know, those first three seconds, right? How do you fully optimize the three seconds? Mm. So have you experienced or experimented with having like a captivating text bubble, you know, right there. So it's just like they read it. Or do you experiment with having like maybe a crazy scene that that's the first scene or, you know, I see some people like flash the camera and have this movement. Yeah. I've seen that too. You know, what, what do you think? I think that I like the caption thing because then people have to read it. And if the caption is really motivating or like inquisitive at the, at the top. So like, let's say at the top, you just wrote best real estate hack. And you just left that at the top for the first 10 seconds. I guarantee you someone's going to watch that at least yeah. five seconds. Right. And as long as you can get with, with the audio further than five seconds with them, they'll probably stick around for the whole thing. Right. I've tried the quick transition thingy, but it doesn't really work for me. Mm. Um, I just think that the first three seconds can't be too boring. It has to like kind of grab their attention. Yeah. Like if we're talking about house hacking, I'm not going to say, Hey, this is how you house hack and be like, this is how you pay. No rent. Yeah, for sure. And all of a sudden, no rent. Someone's like, oh, what's that? Like, how do I not pay rent? Or it's the same thing yeah. of YouTube thumbnails and titles. Exactly. It's just all clickbaiting them. It's kind of you clickbait. have to be mysterious yeah. about it. Somewhat mysterious, but someone where the they're a little more intrigued to like wanna invest their time into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I've been thinking about is like, how do I and I talk about everything. It's not just real estate, but like you know, the real estate videos I do do, right? House flipping is such a small niche that is going to intrigue people. You know, yeah. my best video was couch flipping, right? Because people are on like... YouTube or TikTok? Like both. Both. Yeah. Because everyone's like, I could flip a couch. Like this is yeah. the... It was... The title was the best side hustle you've never heard of. Mm, I and, like that. And they're like, huh, what could it be? And yeah. it was just so original that nobody had ever even thought about it. And now it's just started this whole thing across the nation. Everybody's just buying up all the couches and <laughs> you single-handedly ruined the couch. Market. I did. I did. I seriously did. Um, I actually had a buddy out here who was doing it um, for years after I did it. I told him about it back in like 2016. I was like, Hey, I'm like done doing this, but dude, you can make a hundred grand a year doing this. Like this is yeah. easy money. And uh, he'd been doing it for years. And then he goes, dude, why did you make that video? Like it's so hard now. Oh, it's hard now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, honestly, I didn't think that was going to go viral and like do what it did, you right, know? Right. It was just, I just did a video talk just like every other video. Hey, but, this is something I used to do, like whatever. But that means there's a lot more other things that people can flip yeah. that are high value ticket items out there. They're just, they're just going to look for it, right? Yeah. And that's why I started this series called Flip Nation. And every time we do something with Flip Nation, like we've done car flips, couch flips, um, sneaker flips, mm. they always do good. People love it. 
And we got to do more of that. That's that's one thing. Because I love it. I love flipping stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like the it's very innately understood by people. Okay, yeah. this guy wants to pay this, and this guy wants to pay that. I can. can do no. I have enough money? <laughs> like, if it's a cheap thing, and I can make a hundred bucks, like people yeah. love that. And I'm like, guys, do you realize that I'm actually teaching you how to make, you know, ten thousand dollars with not that much more work, but it's right. just to them, it's more unattainable. Like, oh, I just can't do it. You mean the housing part? Yeah, yeah. You could wholesale with no money, you know, right. and make ten grand, and people just they think it's just too good to be true. So I have to be like, hey. You can make well hundred bucks flipping this. It's a lot more complicated in you know when you're thinking about the idea of flipping an, a couch on Craigslist is okay. Pick up the couch, deliver the couch. Yeah. Flipping a house, papers. Once once someone sees papers and contracts, their their mind turns off. They're like, I don't want to solve that problem. Yeah, but you get paid for solving that problem. If you yep. can solve that problem correctly, a lot of money. You get paid exponentially, right? And it's way more use of your better use of your time than. Flipping tent, like hundred couches or whatever. Maybe. But but hey, look at the end of the day, for everyone who's a part of Flip Nation, I'm with it. If you guys want to just flip the small stuff, you can make a great living just doing that, not having a job. You can make five, ten thousand bucks a month just flipping. That is crap. true. Not everybody wants to do flip houses. No, right? It's not for everybody. Too. There's like no risk with flipping this junk either. Yeah, you know. So uh, it just goes back once again to lifestyle, to right. your risk tolerance, and um, at the end of the day, right? Nobody ever got super, super rich playing it safe. You know, they always took a big risk. You look at Elon Musk, right? He, he bet everything he got from PayPal to start Tesla and SpaceX and these things. Same thing with, you know, Steve Jobs and, you know, they, they go through these bankruptcies and problems and they risk it all. Um, every entrepreneur had, had to risk a lot to get to where they're at. And, um, nobody bought safe stocks and became super, super rich over the year. They had to make the money to buy the stocks, first of all. Right. You know? So it just depends what your goals are. If if your goal is to become ultra wealthy and do crazy things in the world, you, you're going to have to take big risks. There's just no other way to do it. If you're cool with being conservative and you want to just, <laughs> I don't want to say just, but you know, have a, a good life that's very safe, totally can do that, you know, with, with being risk averse. Yep. Good points. But good points for me. I'm just freaking go big or go home. I, I think it's important to kind of make the, make the, the, uh, the differentiator part. Their differentiating part here is that risk, but calculated risk. Yeah. You don't want to take, you don't want to go to the roulette table. No. Right. That's right. like dumb risk. Well, and I'll tell you smart with, risk with every house we, we buy it a flip, right? Like we pencil the numbers. We're like, we're going to make money on this. Like it's, right. to us, it's not a risk. Then things happen, right? Budgets go overboard and now you don't make money. It doesn't sell for what you thought it was going to sell. Like, right. That's where the risk comes in, but it's a super high probability. You know, out of all the houses we flip 90 plus percent always end up in the positive. There you go. So I'll Calculated. take, I'll take those odds all day. Yep. Um, but, but other people see it as a huge risk. They say, but you got millions in debt on these right. houses. What what could go right. wrong? I'm like, but I have a 90% success rate. Right. So it is what it is, dude. Yep. But man, we're already at an hour, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an amazing chat with you, dude. I appreciate all your uh, insights on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Appreciate you having me. You can yeah. find me on YouTube, Humphrey Yang, and TikTok, Humphrey Talks. Instagram, same thing. Link in description. Yeah, link, <laughs> link is below for sure. As long as we're uh, on YouTube and stuff, yep. comment comment below if you follow Humphrey already because uh, he, he's everywhere on my feed. So um, I'm I'm happy to finally meet you in person, dude. And yeah, uh, likewise. Yeah, you're you're gonna have inspired me to start a video game. So appreciate you. I hope so. The Ryan Pineda home run. I don't know home run derby. <laughs> the home run derby. We're know, hitting right. houses with stuff. <laughs> I don't even. I, I like where it's going. That's yeah. We're getting yeah. creative. Yeah. But uh, guys, if you're not subscribed to this channel, make sure you do that. Make sure you hit the like button if you're on YouTube and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Thanks for watching the Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to work with me, head over to ryanpineda.com. You can find my courses, coaching programs, and upcoming events. We also have free resources you can download. So head over to ryanpineda.com.